you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hi and hello, football fans. Your old pal Dave Damashek here. Make sure you check out the Dave Damashek football program. You can watch it on YouTube, NFL.com. You can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher or NFL.com slash podcasts. We look at the world of pro football and the game called life. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky here. The regular season the NFL has come to a close. We're in the postseason now, Buck. College football is beginning to wrap up. We only have one game left. So today, let's jump in on the playoffs. We've got coaching firings to discuss. What's the most attractive opening? We will talk about the bowl games we've seen in preview the national championship game. Yeah, man. I was it's kind of crazy. A lot, lot of stuff to get to. Um, it's unbelievable. Um, it's great. It's, weekend, it's a fun time of year. The, the head coaching openings, and then we, we're still doing the college football playoff. For a football fan, this is the perfect time of year because you have a smorgasbord of things to entertain yourself with. And I talk about this kind of being the unofficial launch of draft season because once the regular season's done, 20 teams now, their fan bases are looking to the future, and that's free agency in the draft. So for them, we'll get into the draft stuff a little bit later on. But, Buck, let's start here with the, the wild card games we've got coming up in the NFL and, and go through those here and see who you like. Let's start off NFC, Seahawks, Lions. What are you looking forward to in that one? You know, I think this is a tough matchup for the Detroit Lions because they are a one-dimensional offensive team. They're a team that doesn't have the ability to run the ball. And so you're trying to really attack the heart of what the Seahawks do well. Typically, they're one of the best pass defenses. Even without Earl Thomas, they've kind of fallen back to the middle of the pack a little bit, but they're still dangerous. Their pass rushes on the outside are tough. Frank Clark, Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, they can get after the quarterback. And you have Matthew Stafford kind of going into the fight uh, without all of his weapons in terms of, he has the middle finger Not all injury. of his digits. Forget his weapons. He has the middle finger injury that has kind of changed what he was able to do early in the year. And because he's inconsistent now as a thrower, they're inconsistent as a team because when he was throwing well, they were working the intermediate areas, the underneath areas, moving the ball with a short passing game. He's no longer able to do it at the level that he was doing it earlier, and it's kind of put their offense in a bit of a rut. I'll tell you what, in this game, one of the key players to me, Jimmy Graham, He's got some big plays down the field. I think when you play with Russell Wilson, it's not like playing with a regular quarterback because mm-hmm. you're going to be so off schedule. Jimmy Graham, you think about him being with Drew Brees. Everything is timing. You know, Drew Brees doesn't take many sacks. He makes these quick through his progressions. The ball's out of his hands. You get used to comfortable playing in that format. Yeah. With Russell Wilson, it's about broken plays, extending plays, and being able to create. I think Jimmy Graham's getting more comfortable the more time he's spent with Russell Wilson, and that's going to generate some big plays for them down the field. Yeah, I mean, I think Jimmy Graham has been a big piece of the puzzle puzzle offensively his ability to control the middle of the field certainly sets the table for Doug Baldwin and some of the other guys on the perimeter they lose Tyler Lockett who was giving them kind of that special playmaker ability Jimmy Graham has to be a guy that each week gets 10 or so targets because when you can can control the middle of the field with him it really allows them to do other things and because they don't have the running game like we're used to seeing them lean on year after year when they have Marshawn Lynch it's more important that they find a way to find that number one guy in the passing game so they can be consistent and move the ball. Because their offensive line is leaky, and Russell Wilson has been having to make so many plays on scramble tosses. 
they need to be consistent in the pass game. Ziggy Ons has got to do something too. He's had a couple sacks here in the last few weeks of the season, but he's going to have to be instrumental in this. He game. has to be a factor. Pressure. He has to be a factor. The good thing is that offensive line doesn't have not very many high-level people, so he should be able to get off. And if they can create some pressure on Russell Wilson, maybe he can throw them uh, a pick or two to keep them in the game. The big thing that you want to see from the Seattle Seahawks, a lot of us still hold out hope that this can be a team that can make a legitimate run. I need to see if on offense they can run the ball with Thomas Rawls. I know the numbers of late say they're getting better, but I need to feel that presence because so much of what made them special for that four- or five-year period was their ability to be dominant, to run the ball. I need to see more from them. All right, Buck, who do you like in this thing? I'm going to go with Seattle. I think Seattle is just too tough to beat at home. I think they have the advantage. I'm look for them to move on and play in the next round. Yeah, I like Seattle at home as well. I, I, look, it's – it's just that's a tough place to go in there. And the thing is with that crowd noise, going to let that defensive line get loose a little bit. I think they get a huge advantage snap. because they, they yeah. get able to jump the snap, anticipate the snap, get around the corner. All right, let's move on here. Next game in the NFC. It's a rematch we've seen in years past. Packers hosting the uh, the Giants here. Giants have been pretty successful. Two wins going in there in the postseason. What do you think of this one? Uh, teams that are nearly identical, particularly on offense. Ben McAdoo served as a – Offensive coordinator or quarterback coach under Mike McCarthy, their offensive system is very similar. The difference is the quarterback play. Aaron Rodgers is playing at an MVP level. He has been phenomenal since week seven, 30 touchdowns, 40 touchdowns on the year. He finds a way to extend plays and buy time for his receivers to uncover. That has been the difference because they're making their big plays on those second and third reaction plays. For the New York Giants, Eli Manning is playing probably the worst football that we've seen in his career. He can't get the ball out on time. He struggles pushing the ball more than 15 yards consistently with the accuracy. And so they're really a one-man show, and that's Odell Beckham Jr. If he can't take a slant and go the distance, they've had a tough time scoring points. I don't know if they can make it up and kind of overall the offense in six days, but they have to do it because they have favorable, they have favorable matchups on the outside. But can Eli be consistent enough to take advantage of him. I like Sterling Shepard. I like Victor Cruz. I like Odell Beckham against his secondary. I just don't trust Eli to make those plays. How about a key for the Giants? How about DRC and the job he's done? He's been great. Making all kinds of plays. He's made a lot of plays. Janoris Jenkins makes plays when he's healthy. Landon those two Collins. guys can do things. Landon secondary Collins dropped in the middle. So from that standpoint, nails. I think the Giants can slow the Packers down. The thing that you have to worry about is can you generate enough of a pass rush on Aaron Rodgers. These guys matched early in the season. I think the Packers won 23-17. to 17. Aaron Rodgers didn't have a big day, but also he wasn't playing the level that he's playing at now. I think this is a very close game. I think it goes down to the end. I'm going to go with the Giants because I trust their defense more than the Packers' defense, and that is the deciding factor in this one, in my mind. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with the home team here. I think Green Bay gets rolling. I think the extended plays with Aaron Rodgers can be the difference there, and the Packers sneak one out. But I'm gonna make a total left turn on you here. You didn't know this is coming, but I was thinking DRC, which got me thinking to DNCE, which is the band that Joe Jonas is in, right? So I'm at the okay. Orange Bowl, Buck. This last weekend, I'm down there on the field, and I see this one dude with the weirdest outfitted a football game I've ever seen in my life and this funky haircut and then and then uh, what, is, what is what what is this and then uh, and then I see Joe Jonas like not far away from him. so oh this guy's in that band or whatever in, in DNC so I saw two celebrities on my bull tour on game on the field before game so and I'm not counting like Dan Marino and some other people I saw but Joe Jonas okay right, number one big, big one I can put him in my pocket he's a <laughs> little a little guy and then the second famous person I saw was the guy. You remember the show Home Improvement with Tim Allen? Yeah. Remember the guy with the beard? I think his name yes. was Al. Yeah. His name? I saw him too. Apparently he's a big Washington fan. 
Oh, who how knew? About that? Who knew? Um, anyways, those are the two uh, people I saw in bowl games. Let's go over to the AFC here. Steelers, Dolphins. It's a rematch. The Dolphins actually got them earlier this year. This is a really good game. It's a really good game because the Dolphins did have their way with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They ran the ball down their throat. Jay Ajayi had a big breakout game, over 200 yards rushing. Kind of helped the Dolphins find their identity as an offensive team. They will need to lean on that identity with Matt Moore at quarterback against this defense. They need to be able to run the football and control the terms of the game. I like the receivers on the outside. Even though the Steelers have improved in the back end, I still like Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, uh, being able to do it. And Kenny Stills has also been an X factor. But the Steelers, it's about the killer bees. When the killer bees are healthy, they are dynamic. They may have the best offense in football. Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. I don't know if the Dolphins can slow them down enough, which is why the running game is key because if they can play keep away, that gives them a chance. I just don't know if they can get it done. Here's the thing. The Dolphins, This is everybody talks about tempo in the NFL right now, right? It's a new thing. Came up from college, yep. and we want to go, go, go. If I'm the Dolphins, that play clock's hitting three before I snap the ball. Oh, we want to you want to shorten this thing as much as you can. You, look, be, third downs are going to be huge if you're the Miami Dolphins. Long, sustained drives. Keep that offense parked on the sideline. If you're the Dolphins and you win this game, I think you, you're hoping it's going to be a 17 14 type game because it gets into a shootout. You got Ben Roethlisberger on one sideline and Matt Moore on the other. I know how that's going to end. You want to control it. You want to shorten the game. It's a nice strategy that you talk about bleeding the play clock down. I'll tell you a quick story. When we were together, when I was at the Carolina Panthers on the Super Bowl run, that we went to Super Bowl 38, we played the greatest show on turf in St. Louis with the Rams. And John Fox said, We want to shorten the game. If we could, we want to make it a 12 possession game. We instructed Jake Delhomme to bleed the clock all the way down to five seconds on the play clock on each and every snap from the beginning of the game. So that strategy that you talk about is one that certainly could work against the Pittsburgh Steelers if you're able to convert on third down. You want to shorten the game and not give Big Ben a number of opportunities to find his rhythm as a passer. All right, somebody on here, a Dolphin fan, is, is hot. He's saying that's hot. what he said the first time we played the Steelers. Go check what the score of that game was. Yeah, but that was a regular, regular season. Regular season, postseason. A little different. Two different animals there. All right, uh, so, uh, look, I, I think Pittsburgh gets it done. You're with me on that yeah, one. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think Pittsburgh wins. All right, here we go. Texans, Raiders, backup bowl. Actually, I guess is is Osweiler still back? He's starter, then a backup. Now he's back starting again. Uh, you know Ironically, right, last year he played some games and then got hooked, and Peyton, the former <laughs> starter, came in. Now he was a starter. He gets hooked. Now he's going to go back in different circumstances. Different circumstances. Different circumstances. But who would think that the uh, – who would have thought that the Houston Texans would, would pine for Brian Hoyer at quarterback uh, right now? He has been more productive than Osweiler and Tom Savage combined, what he was able to give them. The big thing for Brock Osweiler, Brock Osweiler can't turn the ball over. He has to find a way to get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, and they need to lean on the rest of their playmakers. You're talking about a Houston team that is getting a lot of support from their defense – offensively, they just can't mess it up. And I think if you're Bill O'Brien, you're really conservative against this Raiders team because if I'm looking at Connor Cook playing quarterback, I'm thinking – He's going to give defense, us a couple. Our defense should be able to control the game. So we may only have to score 17 points to win this one. Brock Osweiler just don't screw it up. If they do that, they could have an opportunity to win. Watch out for Clowney. <sighs> Watch out for Clowney. He's playing so well. Got a little rest off that last week of the season. He's going to be fresh and ready to go. I like Houston in this game. I think this could – 
have the makings of a really ugly football game. But I think New Hopkins makes a couple plays. That's all you need on offense. I mean, it could low scoring game, and I think that Clowney generates a turnover for their defense, and they win it. This is a big game because they're hitting the hidden little battle that people don't talk about. Clowney's heard everyone go goo goo gaga over Khalil Mack. Ooh, I've heard they played two or three they, years. Yeah, they played each other like this, this year. This, this is an opportunity line. on a big stage where everyone has to watch. He can kind of make his name known as look, I'm the number one overall pick from that draft. Injuries kept me from being the guy that many thought I was. I think he can have a huge game. But I still believe in the Raiders, and my logic is their skilled guys on the outside I think have an opportunity to do something. Michael Crabtree, Amari Cooper, you have Latavius Murray and two other young running backs playing behind them. If the other guys can raise it up a little bit, I think Connor Cook can hit enough plays to do it. And I'm thinking that Oswald is going to give them a couple short fields with his own turnovers. All right, I like I like Houston to win this game, Bucky. And I'm gonna challenge the people on Periscope on here. You send me a bunch of hearts if you think Houston's gonna beat the Raiders. <laughs> I want to see these hearts get cranked up here. If not, then I'm gonna assume you guys all in Periscope think the Raiders. Come are on, they win. know Raider Nation. Oh, there's a lot of hearts. There's oh, a lot of hearts gosh. coming right now. Yep, they they are on. They are on the Texans. They're with me. Uh, it looks like like Lucky Charms over there. Oh no, they're in. They're with me. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on here. We talked about the playoffs a little bit, Buck. How about what's going on in the NFL? With all these openings. We've got six openings right now. San Diego, L.A., Jacksonville, Buffalo, San Francisco, and Denver. You just look at those six jobs off top of your head if you're going to say the most attractive of that group is which? The Denver Broncos. Yeah. The Denver Broncos are most attractive because the defense is in place. Depending upon what you're able to do with Wade Phillips in terms of retaining him, I like your chances of being able to get back in the mix. Um, Offensively, you have some challenges because you have to figure out how you want to – um, play with the quarterbacks that you have in front of you, Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. What do you believe their strengths are? What do you believe you can do with them? Can you get it right? I believe you have to fix the offensive line. But if you fix the offensive line with the running game that they have, they should be fine. Um, after that Denver job, I'm a little intrigued by the Jacksonville Jaguar job only because Some young I like the young talent that they have. The defense played surprisingly at a top 10 level. Um, I like the weapons on the outside. Robinson, Hearns, Marquise Lee, the running backs are okay. Question mark is in the quarterback. But I think that job has a lot of potential. I also like the division that they play in because I don't think any of those teams are going to run away from it. Here's the one thing I'll say. I know they they a little bit of a mess right now, whether they're going to stay or whether they're going to go. But when I let me give you the quarterbacks of these teams of the jobs that's open. You've got Denver, Trevor Simeon. San Francisco, Colin Kaepernick, Buffalo, maybe E.J. Manuel, based on what you're getting from uh, what the name that we're hearing there. Jacksonville, Blake Bortles, Jared Goff, or Phillip Rivers. Who stands out like a sore thumb on that list? I mean, Phillip Rivers certainly stands out. Uh, the first thing that I have to do if I'm looking at that job, I have to figure out why the last two seasons, the final half of the year, he's kind of falling apart. Ah, he's forcing the he's, ball. They got nobody. Everybody's hurt. But also knowing that he's coming, I think you have to change the way that the Chargers play. I think they need run to run heavy. He has another run, but I think you need to lean on the supporting cast. They have to become a team that is more run-oriented, driven by Melvin Gordon and some of the pieces uh, that they have in place to run the football consistently and successfully. If they do that, Phillip Rivers certainly can make a run. I do like what they have emerging on the corners. Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, some of those young guys on defense, I'm intrigued. I would like to think that I could keep the defense coordinator, John Pagano, because I think he does a pretty good job with those guys. How about the Chargers pick seventh in the draft, Bucky? They could get a premier, and I'm talking premier safety or a premier inside linebacker. Ruben Foster is a senior, so we can talk about him. What a heck of a pick he would be. you got Verrett coming back at corner. you got Hayward, who was a pro bowler this year. 
Now you add a, a big-time linebacker, a big-time safety with that defensive line that you just talked about, you got a great defense. Yeah, you know, then, then that's, that's the funny thing. That is when you play the game. Uh, what position is deeper? I think that safety class is tremendous Loaded. this year. You possibly could go and get a Reuben Foster, uh, put him right there alongside Denzel Perriman. You now have two rugged players in the middle of a 3-4 defense that can do it. Or maybe you get that playmaking safety, a guy like Jamal. Well, he's an underclassman. But yeah, LSU number, number 33. Number yeah. 33 for LSU. How about 24 with the uh, Scarlet and uh, Scarlet, gray. Scarlet and Gray? He, yeah. he could come in. There's some young guys that certainly could come in and give them some playmaking ability. I also think they still may need to find another corner because the red has been hurt so much. You just want to make sure you have enough depth. If you lose him, someone else can go. And more teams are playing nickel 75, 80% of the time. That nickel corner is now started, so it's okay to invest the top pick in him. No question. All right, speaking of uh, draft order here, first three picks, Cleveland, San Francisco, Chicago. If you were going to say the team of the three most likely at this early point in time to go quarterback of those, which would it be? None. Go none. No, I, I mean, based on the talent that is available, we've seen the guys that have talked about declaring for the draft, some of those who have already declared. I don't believe – any of those guys are valued within the top five, top ten in terms of what their talent shows on the field. May they go there? Yes, but we've seen time and time again when people push quarterbacks up, they are often left disappointed. And so if I'm Cleveland, San Francisco, Chicago, I'm looking at other areas of the team because this draft is deep in other areas. Let the board come to you. Don't try and manufacture and make someone something that they're not, I believe, those teams should avoid a quarterback in the first round. You got the Dak factor, right? So some of these teams are going to say, "We just got to find that guy. Let's find that guy." In the, in the and I think that round. I think that speaks to a point. And I don't know if we 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 can highlight it enough. But the study that you did with the quarterbacks in the league, the majority of the quarterbacks that are playing well were guys that were graduates, played well, or they were underclassmen whose talent was so superior had to take them in the top three. Had to take them in the top three because if they're not taken in the top three, based on their talent alone. It typically doesn't work out for them. Yeah, it is. It's it's interesting when you really break it down and look at it. But I think keep an eye on Chicago. I know you know. Look at they've moved, we're going to move on from Jay Cutler. That era has passed, and it's just one of those teams that you know, how often are we going to be picking all the way up here. You know, got some other good young players, and maybe it's time we just get a. They need a fresh face at the quarterback position. I think the big thing will be with Ryan Pace and John Fox, their relationship, and how long does Ryan Pace believe John Fox can be there and be their coach. Having worked for Coach Fox in Carolina, Foxy values a guy who has tremendous ball security in terms of he won't give the ball away. He's going to make good decisions. Um, yeah, he can be big. He can run around a little bit. But he wants a guy that is going to play winning football. And by that, I mean he understands situation. He understands that the football should be protected at a premium. Of those young guys that we talked about being in this class – which one of those quarterbacks can play in that fashion? If they can play that way, then I think the Bears can go in that direction. But you have Ryan Pace, who also is like, uh, is Foxy my long term? Yeah. It'll be interesting when it comes to the quarterback, how they decide to go and who kind of curries favor in that room. Well, you got to remember, too, now, Ryan Pace, all that time in New Orleans, Drew Brees, that style of quarterback, Drew Brees was second round pick. Obviously, was a you know went from San Diego and ended up being a huge, huge success there in New Orleans. But that style of quarterback, usually you're not going to take one of those in the top three. Yeah, I mean, undersized guy. You know. And and we are all impacted by our influences and who we've been around. So Ryan Pace has been around a Drew Brees. John Fox was around 
Jake DeLome Delome yeah. and some of those other guys. And he found that you were able to win with other guys. So if we're looking beyond that first-tier quarterbacks, are there some intriguing options? The Dak Prescott factor certainly will weigh into the decision. Also, I think the Derek Carr factor will also weigh yeah. in because Derek Carr was a second-round pick. So Some people around the league think that Davis Webb could end up being the Derek Carr of this class. I think, I think Davis Webb is a guy that is uh, a guy who could benefit – it could be the beneficiary of the Dak Prescott, yeah. Derek Carr situation because he has a lot of reps. Um, he has an arm, the thing that will come back and possibly kill him, playing in the Bear race system, much like Jerry Goff, with a great player. Yeah, but player. Dak, Dak came out of a similar True. thing. So, so it, 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 it would be it, it would be interesting because all these quarterbacks are coming out to spread. So I believe yeah. at some point – You've got to throw that away. You've got to throw that have, argument we're away. We're going to have to throw that argument away, and we're going to have to evaluate the kid and the leadership ability and all the other stuff. A couple things to get to before we wrap here. What an amazing uh, game we had last night in the Rose Bowl, USC, Penn State. I was down there, Bucky. It was it was phenomenal. I was at the Orange Bowl with with Florida State and Michigan. Another phenomenal game. So you got all the good games. We've seen some good ones. How about the Sun Bowl? How was it? Uh, the Sun the Sun Bowl wasn't. You know, Enjoy El Paso. It, it was it wasn't great. El Paso was El Paso. I mean, it a reminded me. It reminded me of why I'm no longer a scout. <laughs> Because it was funny, like like flying. Yeah, fine folks in, t- in El Paso that listen. I mean, to I liked it. Here. I liked it, but Sorry. but as, as I was driving in, I was like, man, I remember I used to make this ride here in New Mexico oh, yeah. and all over and back. Truth or consequence, way. right? Yeah, drive through there. Ooh, that was tough. Um, in terms of looking at the quarterback, Mitch Trubisky is the second time that I've seen him live. Um, obviously, he plays at my alma mater. I'm close to a lot of the people around the program. They say good things about him in terms of leadership ability or whatever. At some point, the way he has been talked about. Uh, the way he's been talked about and speculated in media circles about being the top guy, a top 10 pick. For me, when I look at players that are regarded as top 10 players, at some point I like to feel in the game, oh, this guy's the best player in the game. Yeah. And neither of the games that I went to when I saw Mitch did I ever feel like he was the best guy on the field. Now I'm going to take that I'm a, and I'm comparing it to a guy like Deshaun Watson or even a Deshaun Kaiser. When I've looked at those guys and I've been around those guys and watched them play, flaws and all, there have been times where I'm like, hmm, yeah. this guy's the best guy on the field. Yeah. And technically we can pick apart all of those guys, but at some point when we're handing the ball to the guy, it's as simple as playing pickup. If we're playing pickup in the park, which quarterback do I want? I want the guy that at some point can take it over. I just haven't seen Mitch do that enough. I'm not saying he can do it, but in one year, 13 starts, I haven't seen him do it enough for me to comfortably say, that's the dude I want to hang my hat on. The way you kind of describe that, it's like being able to you, – can you feel him? Can you feel his presence a little bit when you're out yes. there? You know, is it influencing the, the, the game? Is it, okay, this is the t- this tips the scale. They got this guy. That tips the scale. I, I, look, I, I was at a game. I know he's not draft eligible. Sam Darnold tipped the scale Yes, for USC. I mean, he, he was the difference maker. And you could even say the other guy on the other side, like right. Tate McSorley, who knows what he'll be or whatever. But there was a time in the game I was like, man. He's rolling. Yeah, he's, he's kind of doing it. Like he kind of brought them back and did some stuff. It's that feel, that it factor that we're talking about franchise quarterbacks, guys that can salvage and reverse the fortunes of a team. You got to feel them. And look, it's, technically it may not always be right, but final two minutes of a game, you have to hand it to them. You have to trust them to make that drive. They have to have something about them. I just need to see more from the North Carolina guy. Look, I've seen it from Deshaun. Deshaun has his own issues or whatever, but I do know the bigger the game, the better he plays when it comes to just winning. 
there's something to be said for that. Here's the thing. I have, I've got to dig in. Uh, that's one of, the, one of the things I'm going to do here in this next week. Once we kind of have a good idea of who all, what all quarterbacks are coming out. I've done several of them, but there's a bunch more I need to do. And more on the guys I've already done, like digging back. Deshaun Kaiser, this year the year did not go the way he wanted. He had the ball in his hands in a couple different games. Late game, chance to make something happen. It didn't happen. But you, you can't evaluate in a vacuum. you got to look back at last year, Virginia game. He did it. Big time throw. To Comes off the bench. Game. Hey, you're up. Yeah. Boom. Make, make throws. Make it happen. So he had several moments last year where he did make those big time game changing plays, overcoming deficits. So it's a deep evaluation process. Brad Kaya came in out. I was at his bowl game. Had, he had a good game. Um, I thought the stats may be a little bit sexier than the actual performance was. I have my concerns about him, but he's very smart. He can make every throw. He's got touch, all those things. Problem is, he's, he's a real heavy footed dude and so getting never, to move at all he struggles when number one is not there and he's got to work deep and get off of his spot he struggles so those are some concerns with me and, and really when you look around the league Tom Brady you know we had the the the, the uh, Mannings you've got Brady you kind of had these statuesque quarterbacks they're a dying breed Bucky <laughs> they're damn you good. have to be phenomenal because your playbook is restricted your playbook is restricted and from I mean, a movement standpoint I should say now intellectually those guys can handle anything you know concept wise in the in the route but you're limiting yourself in terms of him being able to buy and create on his own the best thing that I've ever heard from an offense coordinator I was lucky enough to be around John Gruden in Oakland who's a pretty good offensive coordinator obviously uh, some of the other guys you need to have a quarterback that can make you right and sometimes he can make you right with his mind, his decision-making. Other times he can make you right by his ability to extend plays and create. Yep. Aaron Rodgers makes Mike McCarthy right because he can buy time and create these plays. And I know we don't talk about Aaron Rodgers as a quote-unquote spread quarterback, but what he does is what we want these spread quarterbacks to evolve to. Not necessarily being a, a dominant runner, but being an athlete that can escape pressure, that can get on the edges and make plays off the script. So when we look at these guys, and you talk about Brad Kai not necessarily having that, I want a passer who has athleticism and mobility because it gives me an opportunity to not have to call the perfect game and still win games. So in scouting, terms are always evolving, right? We talk about scouting terms all the time. We have sheets and sheets of them. It helps you when you're writing reports. And I just wrote down a new one. I believe this is a new one, but I'm, I'm using it from here on forward because what you just described, I was thinking of it. The, you want your quarterback to be a problem eraser. Yes. So you just picture a guy with an eraser, and, uh-oh, here comes a free, free rusher. Oh, goes away. You know, hey, oh, what? They weren't supposed to be. The guy ran the wrong route. Oh, that's all right. I'm going to adjust. I'm going to buy some time, and we're going to be able to make something happen. Have to be able that's to what, adjust. That's what you want these guys to be able to do. And when Aaron Rodgers is maybe the best in the league at it right now. Russell Wilson, all these guys. They can make you right, and they can make it where you don't have to call it the perfect game but still find success. Aaron Rodgers is the best at it in terms of extending plays, buying time, making things happen. doesn't matter what the offensive line is in front of him, who he's dealing with on the outside. When he gets it going, he's able to kind of change and elevate. And so when we go back to bring it back to those quarterbacks that we're talking about, Kaiser, Watson, uh, Trubisky, looking at these guys – who is the guy that has the ability to play in a prototypical fashion while also giving me the other stuff? Now, I will say, in an early evaluation, I like Deshaun. But if I had to – got to specify when we talk to Deshaun now. Deshaun. This is going to be a challenge Watson, for us going into the spring. Watson and Kaiser. I would say the guy that I think 
most teams would say is a more consensus, prototypical franchise quarterback on the hoof and what they bring, I would say Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Size, um, athletic enough to do all that other stuff, but also has shown the ability to play from the pocket. Look, Mitch, to me, is kind of like Alex Smith 2.0. And I like Alex Smith. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just don't know the gravitas to, uh, that you're looking for. I don't know if he has that part of it. We'll have to spend more time with him and just see. Well, we don't have time to go through all these different bowl games here, but I was at that Michigan-Florida State game. And I mean, Dalvin Cook was phenomenal. And you, you, you said you may have to change. The I said way. I gotta go. I'm gonna go look. I'm gonna do some more. Like the one of the things that you, the worst thing you can do as an evaluator is put your head in this, you know, plug your ears and, and yep. close your eyes and just say, no, no, no. I, I believe this. I believe this. I'm not. No, no, no. Hey, look. You go. That's why you go to games, and that drives you back to the film room. Say, okay, I, I have Fournette over Dalvin Cook on my, mm-hmm. on my grade. I'm, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna watch two or three more games of each guy and just make sure that I feel really good about it. Dalvin Cook was phenomenal. He's a really good player. You see it with your own eyes, live in person. It's impressive. So, the other part of that is I also, you know, talked earlier about not, uh, you know, evaluating a vacuum. I also went to the semifinal game and watched <laughs> him fumble twice against Oregon and, and cost FSU, you know, a chance in mm-hmm. that football game. So he's got fumbling issues. He's had some stuff off the field. You got to factor all that in. I think he's had a couple shoulder surgeries as well, but. That guy is that guy is competitive. He is dynamic, and he is he is the classic, you know, one two one two one two. Whoosh, he's gone for seventy. You know, so you look at wait one good carry out of seven. Wait, that was that one carry put points on the board. I think styles make fights, and I think fit is a huge thing in the evaluation process. If I'm a team like the Dallas Cowboys, where I want to play hammerhead football, Leonard Fournette may be the better yeah. fit because he's your every down grind. If I'm the Minnesota Vikings, for instance, and I'm looking for maybe I skew a little more towards Leonard Fournette because of the physicality and toughness. If I'm one of those pro-style offenses where we use the running back in a variety of different ways where he's in the dot position, he's flanked out wide in empty formations with throwing passes, maybe Dalvin Cook is your guy. I think this is basically the customer going to the grocery store and trying to figure out what am I trying to prepare in the kitchen? And based on what I'm preparing, these running backs will have different value to other people. Can I give you a team here that I would love to see him go here, but I know they've addressed the position and they were great at it this year. Tennessee Titans have DeMarco Murray. I think he was second in the league in rushing. Mm-hmm. Derrick Henry, who played great, right? Mm-hmm. But can you imagine with that offensive line, the way they move people to the line of scrimmage, you get Leonard Fournette with a head of steam rolling through there? Oh, my that would be nasty. I think they could be It's a nasty. bonus pick. They're picking fifth, and they've got their own first-round pick. That fifth pick, of course, uh, involving the trade with the Rams last year. Team, Two teams that I would look at where he could be a nice fit. At four, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. I know they've invested in Chris Ivory. I'll take took, some pressure off your quarterback. They took Yeldon. I, I understand all of that. But if you want to make your young quarterback better, the best thing you can do is get him a legitimate stud behind him and run the football. In that division, we've seen – Tennessee made up a lot of ground just by being a very physical run game. Yeah. Uh, Third-ranked rushing attack, easy to make up ground in that fashion. If I'm the New York Jets, I have uncertainty at the quarterback position. Maybe we have to go outside the building to find a guy. I need to find an identity. What am I about? If I'm Todd Bowles, what, what are we about? If we're about defense, well, if we're about defense, that means on offense we need to be about running the football to complement that. Leonard Fournette there, some star power, grinded. 
I think he could be a fit there, four or six. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Look, we'll have plenty of time to jump into all this draft stuff. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Bucky. But the fun, fun uh, bowl season so far. Real quick on the national championship game, who do you like and why? I'm going to go with Clemson. And the reason I'm going to go with Clemson, I think Clemson is probably the only team that could go toe-to-toe with Alabama on both sides of the ball. Defensively, we can rave about Alabama and that front seven. But, man, Clemson can match them. Those young dudes they have up front, they can hunt. They can get after the quarterback. They can stop the run. Bowler is a nice leader in the middle. In the secondary, Tankersley was better than I thought mm-hmm. on the outside. Did a good job or whatever. But offensively, I believe they have the weapons to potentially attack Alabama. Alabama's playing with four corners in the back end. That receiver core where Mike Williams, who's a grown man, a real dude, or Atavis Scott, um, some of the other guys, Ray Ray McLeod, Hunter Renfro, Leggett, they have a lot of stuff for Deshaun Watson. And then we talk about erasers. I don't know if people have noticed, but the last three or four games, Deshaun Watson has started to run a little more. That creates another thing. The problem is, I don't know if he can take a whole lot of shots from them big dudes that Alabama has. Yeah, but I'm going with Clemson now. You're going to go with Clemson? Okay, look, I, I give them the edge at quarterback. I was at that Alabama game, and Jalen Hurts did not play all that great. Obviously, Lane Kiffin's gone now. Sark's taken over. But I've seen Alabama play three times, Buck. I've seen Clemson play in the ACC title game, so I've seen both teams. I think Clemson is outstanding personnel, both sides of the ball. They've played them. There's no fear factor. But Alabama's defense in the three games I've seen them is suffocating. Oh, I mean, it, it's suffocating. It, it, it is, it is and this is going to be a salty bunch because they got lit up by – I know they won the game, but Clemson lit them up. That's a prideful group that, that got torched by Deshaun Watson last year. I just can't – man, if he does – hey, hats off. If he does it two years in a row and puts up 40 points on Alabama, I'll say I was wrong. I don't see it happening. Man, they have been waiting for this game. Clemson's been waiting. They've been laying in the cut, waiting for an opportunity to go back. It will be interesting to see because – as I said, going into this playoff thing for Deshaun Watson, if he wants to prove to people that he can be a quote-unquote franchise quarterback, the best way to do it is to play well in these 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 marquee games. This is a marquee game. All the eyes are watching. Everyone kind of remembers what he did last year. If he's able to put another performance up there against Alabama, kind of changes the narrative about how people view him as a playmaker. Can I give you the MVP of the game? O.J. Howard again? No. This guy played really well in this game last year, and I, and now he's better. He's a better football player. Reuben Foster. Oh, I mean, he's a dude. Sean's going to be running. You've talked about him running a lot more lately. He's going to have to run in this game, and that dude in the middle of the field can buzz sideline to sideline, and he's faster. He's faster than Deshaun Watson. Oh, and they have speed. They have speed. Tim Williams, uh, Reuben Foster, they, they're, they're going to Jonathan make sure a beast. that they take care of the zone read. Now, the thing would be, can they take care of the zone read and also match up outside. Mike Williams is a problem. Don't get it, me wrong. It's a lot of one-on-ones and stuff. So we would get our money's worth. From an evaluator, this is a popcorn game. Yeah. This is a popcorn and a Slurpee game. You just sit there and you watch it <laughs> because you're going to answer the questions that we typically can't get answered in the evaluation process. Marlon Humphrey, okay, well, if you're a big-time guy at corner, let's see. let's see how you hold up against Mike Williams. Mike Williams, you're number one. Let's see, Calvin Ridley, we've talked about you coming down the road. Let's see if you can take it up a notch mm-hmm. in these games. A lot of opportunities for us to evaluate and see these guys. I'm excited about It's a lot game. easier to play corner Alabama, though, because you got two high safeties the whole time because that front seven. Hey, we got the run. You boys just you just don't give up any big plays back there. And that's going to be an issue. Like that two-man coverage that Alabama has been able to play, it looks like it's quarters, but it's two-man, two-eye yep. safeties, man-to-man underneath, undercutting all the other stuff. 
the best things that Deshaun Watson throws are slants, skinny posts, hitch, slants, yeah. hitches, skinny posts, yeah. seam routes. Well, that man coverage is going to take away all those layups. So how can he perform when he has to fit the ball in the tight windows? That would be the thing. But for Alabama's quarterback, can they do it? And can Clemson stand up to Bo Scarborough? Yeah, no. He has to be the factor. Yeah, no question. That's a big man now. All right, Buck, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to uh, to watching that game. When we next get together uh, next week, I think this is it for us this mm-hmm. week. Next week we'll recap these wild card games and we'll have uh, we'll have some reaction to what took place in the national title game. Should be fun. Cool, cool. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading and subscribing to the podcast on iTunes. We will see you next week. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.